Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 75. This is your host, Suman Silwal. So I'm back at that baseline. The very base reason of why I run um, or want to run more is the, that I just like to feel better. Um, and it's good stress relief. It's good for your health. And it's a very social. Visit mrounds.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, and get race discount codes. I'd like to welcome Scott Strand to Emron's podcast. I know Scott for a very long time. So ever since I started running, uh, I, I've seen Scott running pretty fast uh, for, for years and years. Uh, lately, I haven't seen him racing and running. And recently, I saw you, Scott, at the at the trail race uh, here at the Heart of the Hell. Uh, how are you doing, Scott, today? I'm doing well. How are you, Suman? Doing good. Um, how's your training like this summer? Do you still train heavily? How how, how do you do that these days? Well, I mean, I, I kind of took a long extended break where I kind of had, had uh, no motivation to really get out the door and do anything consistently. So um, probably in May, I started back um, running, you know, four or five times a week, just trying to be consistent, maybe getting in, you know, 30 miles a week so I can just if I want to go hop in a race or go for a run with some friends or a long run or whatever, I can I can handle it. Definitely. Um, talk about that uh, before we dive in in detail on the topic that we want to talk. Uh, just give us uh, your running background. Um, I, I know you for a long time, but uh, let's hear your running journey. How, how did you get here as a runner? Well, I, I, probably the first time I really started running was I was probably, I guess, a seventh grader. And I had a buddy who ran and I thought I could beat him. So I uh, jumped in the Vulcan run in 1980 and uh, ended up beating my friend and won a trophy. So I was kind of hooked from that point. Um, but you know, we didn't have where I went to school, didn't really have an organized cross country team or anything like that. So I just played a lot of other sports and ran on the side. Um, you know, maybe sometimes I didn't run much during the week. Sometimes I ran a little bit more and then I would, uh, show up to road races and, and just run road races. Um, you know, I got into high school. I did run a couple track meets in high school and then, uh, decided I would, uh, try to run in college. Went to uh, Auburn. I walked on, and I was a walk-on, and basically redshirted, and got my butt kicked for a couple of years, and you know, finally started developing where I was a more competitive collegiate runner. And and after that, what did you do? Um, well, I just wanted to try to run faster. That was always the goal. Um, in college, by the time I was done with my collegiate career at Auburn, I was um, SCC champion in the 3,000 meter steeplechase, which was probably the main track and field event I ran. Although I ran a lot of 1500s as well, and um, I was. All-American in 1990 in the 3,000 meter steeplechase as well and then just kept running after school you know like a lot of people probably get done with college and you maybe aren't really sure what your uh, next step is in life and uh, the one thing I kept doing was running and uh, just wanted to uh, you know just motivated to, to find out how fast I could run um, to to compete. You know, there may be some people who have those Olympic aspirations. Um, you know, I suppose that was kind of a out there for me, but I was a little bit a ways away coming out of college from, you know, really thinking that I had a chance to make an Olympic team. I just wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials. And, and what happened there? Did you qualify? I know that you ran an Olympic uh, trial for a uh, distance race, correct? But, uh, but did you, how does it, how, how hard it is to qualify for Olympics? Oh, it's, it's very hard, especially in this country. It's a, you know, it's a very, it's probably, it's the strongest track and field country in the world. Um, sometimes there's some events that aren't as strong as other events, you know, and, and obviously every four year cycle that can change a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's very difficult. 
you know, in your in your track and field events, you've got to be the top in the top three finishers at the Olympic trials, and you have to have the qualifying standard that's set by you know the you know Olympic committee. So you know it's very difficult. Um, and just out of school, I think it was the '92 trials. I did, I did not qualify. I missed by about a second and a half in the steeplechase and uh, less than a second in the 1500. So I didn't qualify for the Olympic trials. But that year, first year out of school, I, I tried to train very hard, and I actually ran a good number of PRs in. In most of the events that I ran, I just didn't get that qualifier. So that was disappointing. But, you know, it just motivates you when, whenever you have a setback or you don't reach the goals that you had set. You know, it, it was motivating to kind of keep going. And uh, so I did qualify. You know, I kept training and kept improving because running is definitely a uh, – uh, the work that you do is cumulative. You know, so the work that you do now can pay off later, and it just builds. And as you get stronger and more mature, um, you know, you end up qualifying for the trials again four years later. And uh, those trials were in Atlanta because they hosted the Olympics in 96. And my goal was to make the Olympic trials final. So I'd qualified. I just wanted to make the final and see what happened. And I ended up um, finishing sixth at the Olympic trials, which sounds close to third, but there was about a 15-second gap, 14-second gap. So, you know, I was in the race that decided the team but did not make the team, but I was – I was pretty happy with because I had met the goals that I had um, set forth. And then I kept running track races, you know, 1500s and steeples and occasional 5K on the track. And then the 2000, I trained all the way through the 2000 trials and I qualified there, but actually ran quite poorly at the trials. I'd had a, a thyroid issue that popped up that spring. And uh, so my training kind of went downhill and I went and ran, but it, I didn't do very well. And um, so at that point, I kind of started switching more into the longer or thought about switching more into the longer distance type events. Definitely. That was my follow up question. When did you start running a distance and what distance do you usually run? Well, I always thought I, you know, I always thought I could be a complete runner and run anything from the mile or the 1500 to, you know, long distances, you know, half, maybe one day, you know, run a marathon one day. And, you know, I wanted to be able to run, be competitive on all surfaces. So, you know, I, I made uh, three U.S. national teams for the world cross country team. Um, so I ran cross country, indoor track, outdoor track, road races. And, um, you know, so I wanted to be competitive on any surface that, you know, that you could race on. And uh, so I thought I was pretty good at, at doing that. And then I, it was after, really after the 2000 trials, I decided, well, I'm going to I'm going to do a marathon soon. And I guess how old was I then? I guess I was 32. So I thought, well, I'm going to run uh, one more track season. And so instead of running the steeplechase, I ran the 10K on the track. Uh, I finished seventh at nationals at, that year. And I wanted to do that just for the really for the um, the mental side of things, you know, a 10K on a track is uh, kind of grueling because it's 25 laps. So it's a little tedious, but I thought, well, that'd be good mental preparation for, you know, doing the longer miles for a marathon. So I uh, went to uh, my first marathon was uh, New York City and um, it was actually right after 9-11. And, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of talk about would the event go on and everything like that, but it was a very well attended event and there were you know, I think I heard a million or two more people like, you know, spectating because it was right after 9-11 and they were really supporting their city. Um, so that was my first marathon journey and great experience. I think I finished 27th. I was the 10th American. I ran 221, um, qualified for the trials for that time. But it also uh, was an eye-opening experience because I was hoping to run better, but I didn't know based on the training I'd done that I really wasn't prepared to race a marathon. Gotcha. So, so talk about uh, how difficult was it uh, for you uh, going from track to the going a marathon distance? Uh, how how difficult transition was that for you? Well, 
you know, the mileage changed and the long runs changed. Um, and again, based off of that first event, I didn't know how to train for a marathon. So I basically, you know, used Jack Daniels formula. Um, and Jack Daniels is a, a, a very well-renowned longtime coach. It's not the, not the distiller. Um, so, you know, he basically had some, had some formulas and training plans. Um, and so I just followed that. And then uh, really it was, uh, you know, still doing road races. And I actually um, had to, chance to talk with uh meb at lunch at a race and just ask him well what well, you know what do you do how do you do things because he had just started getting into the marathon stuff too and he basically the biggest change he did or thing he did was um his long runs were also marathon pace runs so you know he kind of trained like normally he would during the week and then whenever he did his long run like in the weekends then that would be a not just a long run where you go out and run a long distance slowly but part of that run a good portion of that run would be at your marathon goal pace. And so I started doing that where I, um, my mileage was up. So instead of doing the 70 to 75, 80 miles a week that I was doing when I was training on the track, I was doing, you know, 95 to a hundred, 105 miles a week during the week. Monday through Friday was pretty typical of what I'd always done where I was training for, you know, 5Ks and 10Ks. But then the weekends would be a high mileage weekends where the Saturdays were the long, hard run. You know, I might do 20 to 23. And then Sundays, I'd actually go out to Oak Mountain and run 17 just as a long recovery run. So I was getting about 40 miles in over the weekends. And then Monday through Friday was typically what I always had done. And um, it just made me a lot stronger. Um, And, you know, you have to train your body to to simulate what you're going to feel during the race. So that's why doing, you know, the last, you know, 12 or 13 miles of my long run was, you know, at my goal race pace. That's interesting, uh, Scott, uh, because a lot of time when I train, I'm always uh, back the pack. And when I'm racing, I try to push it uh, uh, just uh, because of the miles I put in my body, longevity, I want to I keep it. Uh, tell us about how, how difficult it is to keep that marathon pace going and how important it is. I mean, you kind of mentioned that as you, you, you are stronger because of that, but uh, is it, is it injury prone doing that approach? Uh, do you still do that? Tell us about that. Well, no, I've, you know, it's been a long time since I've actually done a marathon or trained for a marathon. So, um, I actually had fewer injuries once I stopped racing on the track. And I think that was because the, it, the really, the really intense work, I think is what really places a harder demand on your body, especially, you know, connective tissues and things like that. Like if you're doing speed work, a lot of speed work, like on the track, especially if you're wearing spikes, um, you know, it just puts a lot of stress basically on your lower legs. And uh, so a lot of my injuries were, you know, lower leg injuries, you know, stress fractures with your tibia or your metatarsals and, uh, you know, a lot more like Achilles and calf problems. Um, you know, so really I actually had fewer injuries when I started doing more mileage. Um, and a lot of it's too, because, you know, the intensity of the work that I was doing was less. It was still hard and it was still long, but it wasn't, you know, max effort type stuff as often. And uh, so I think I was actually able to stay healthier once, even as I got older and, and uh, ran longer. Plus, you know, footwear improved, um, changing out footwear more often, getting on soft surface more often to train. Uh, you know, obviously I was, you know, getting massage therapy regularly, 
you know, so just everything as you get older and you learn and you gain experience, then, you know, you can make changes to help you stay healthier and be more consistent. Definitely. Uh, talk about that. Uh, what is your strongest distance now? I mean, uh, on the road, road races that you do? I would say I don't have a strong distance right now because I'm not training hard enough. You know, I, I, I'm not training enough where I'm, I'm going to be able to maximize what, you know, I'm 49 now. So whatever I possibly could run, speed wise like for a 5k or 10k i'm not there yet because i'm not training hard enough you know four or five maybe six days a week of running you know 30 to 40 miles a week with one you know maybe kind of workout where the fartlek or a progression run or something like that um i'm in better shape than i was a year ago but i'm not in like really race shape you know um in terms of over my career you know, they, you can get all your PRs and you can put them on, they have a chart, you know, you know, what's your, what's your best distance? Um, if you took all my PRs from all the distances I ran, it actually is, is kind of odd that according to like percentages of, uh, you know, performance percentages, my best events were the flat 3000 meters on the track and a half marathon, you know, on the chart, my two best, uh, PRs. Got you for the distance. I guess the half marathon is, it's where, where you thrive, I guess. So, so yeah, in terms of in terms of what's a better best time for me, you know, I run 103 for a half marathon and 216 for a marathon. The 103 is a superior time to the 216. Um, and and that I think that just goes with, you know, it's a lot easier to train for a half. Well, and I was actually in very good shape because I was training for actually the Olympic trials. So I was it was about 20 days before the Olympic trials. So I was in really good shape and I was very strong and. Um, you know, motivated and, you know, just marathons, just a, it's just a tough distance to race. It really, you know, it's not just twice a half marathon. It's, it's a whole different animal. Definitely. Um, I, I, yeah. Once you, once you go beyond marathon, it's just gets harder and harder. A lot of people, I mean, we still think that if you can't do a marathon, you can do 50 K, but still that eight K it's a, is a game changer for a lot of people. So, so talking about that, uh, you're, you say that you, you don't have a base for training, but when you were training those, those time training hard, uh, what is the, what is the best training? If anybody wanted to apply like your method, Scott's method that you have, do you have a method? method that people can say okay maybe we want to try this you know you you your training should simulate or reflect what your your racing goal should be so if you have a certain goal and this could be for somebody who's an elite runner or somebody who's just wanted to do hey i'm gonna do my first half marathon or whatever um until you get kind of a baseline kind of a background um it's really hard to set a goal because you really don't know if you don't have that experience you don't know what your goal should be and so your training should kind of give you an idea you should use your training to obviously get in better shape but you also should use the feedback that you get from your training to set the goal for the race that you've signed up for whether it's a 5k or a half marathon or whatever it is um you know it's hard to go hey i'm gonna do a half marathon i've never done one before um some people's goal is just to finish you know that's that's fine that's you know a lot of people's goal is just to finish um but then some people go well i want to try to run it in a certain amount of time Okay, but you have to have your your training has to tell you is that a a, a realistic legitimate goal? Is it too easy? Is it too hard? Um, so you can have kind of an idea of what your goal would be, but then as you train, the feedback you get from your training should go okay. I think I can run faster than what I originally thought, or 
ah, maybe that's a little hard. I might want to, you know, tone that down a little bit um, because you want to set a goal that's hard but realistic, but you don't want to. Uh, so you don't want to set a goal that's too easy because then it's not really challenging, and you don't want to set a goal that's too hard because then there's a very small chance that you'll actually meet your goal and succeed. So um, using the training, you know, that's it. Um, in terms of people that are kind of my age, you know, I think it's you know being a seven day a week runner may not be the best idea. Everybody's busy. Everybody works. Everybody. He's got to get their kids here and there. So you may not be able to get in, you know, six or seven days a week of running. So like for me, I try to get in five and have one day that's a little bit longer and have one day that I do some up-tempo stuff for the strength and to, to work on the speed a little bit. But it's not, you know, you don't have to get on the track to do it. You can do, there's a variety of things you can do. You can, and you should mix it up because you don't want to do the same thing over and over every week. So I do a lot of fartleks where I'm just doing uh, pace change runs. Um, I did a progression run this week where I, for about four miles, I got each faster each mile. Um, I'll try to do some hill work where I'll just pick out a hill and I'll run up the hill and jog back down. I'll run up the hill and jog back down just to work on hip flexor strength and, um, you know, to improve improve your stride length and everything because that's one thing that has disappeared for me is having a, a high knee lift with a good stride so um you know so i think it's a matter of being consistent and using your training to uh ref- again reflect whatever it is you're training for and then also to help you set the goal of what you might want to achieve definitely uh that sounds like great training advice uh there scott i need to follow some of those i, I have been consistent uh, this summer <laughs> better than uh in the previous years so uh, but it's just taking me time Uh, to get back my goal is usually at least have one boston qualifying time every year but it looks like i I qualify every two years basically what that means that once i qualify just (laughs) i'm not pushing as hard i guess that's that's what i see then you can go and do some different things because you already have your qualifier um you can do some different distances i know you do a lot of trail races of distant different distances and you know that way if you're training for something you know obviously if you got if to get a qualifier and if it's that's a big challenge then you've got to really focus on uh, having your training more fine-tuned and make sure you're taking better care of yourself and all that stuff. Definitely. Uh, this summer has been a, a summer of training. Um, I've, I've looked at more on training this year than even in past years that I have been training. So it's been an interesting summer. Talking about, you just mentioned about trail. Yeah, I, I run a lot of trails, uh, roads, uh, anything in between. But I saw you at the trail race uh, recently and you were overall winner. Uh, you did a really great. Uh, but you told me that that was your first true trail race. Uh, tell us about uh, what is your idea about going to the trail why you want to come to the trail and and uh what what are you going to do next what, are you going to go to ultra distance are you thinking about that tell us about that a little bit well i just decided that week to sign up for that uh that hotter than hell and i only signed up for the nine mile i wasn't gonna do the 18 so um i would have had to like really take my time doing the 18 and i didn't uh, i hadn't done a, a, a run that long in, in quite a while so i didn't want to i didn't want to do that initially and it was tough i mean i've I, and as I found out very quickly, the Tosh is, uh, you know, David Tosh tries to make some of these courses probably as hard as he possibly can, which, uh, you know, it uh, cuts into like, I guess how we say it, you know, you, you can't run freely um, with a lot of his courses because of the severity of the climbs and, you know, 
find the rockiest trails you can find and things like that. So I felt pretty good for about half the run. And then, you know, I got, once I got to Pivon, I'm like, oh, this is, this is really tough. So I, there was, a, there was some sections, you know, when I was younger, I could have run up all those hills, but now I can't, I'm not strong enough or fit enough to run up. And so I would just walked up and I'm like, okay, I'll just, this is steep. I can't run up it any faster than I can walk up it. So I'm just going to walk and get, keep my heart rate down. And it, it got challenging. I'd say the last three miles was really challenging and which I also like to push myself. So I did run as hard as I could. And uh, maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but if I'm in a race, I'm always going to try to run hard, if, whether I'm fit or not. You know, it's it's just the competitive part of it. So, um, but I enjoyed it. So, you know, and again, I'd go out to Red Mountain a lot um, just to train, just to do runs. And um, I definitely will do some more trail races. And, you know, I, I this will be a challenge, but I turned 50 in February and I haven't signed up yet, which I need to go ahead and do it. I, I, I thought, well, maybe I'll do a 50 when I turn 50. So that's kind of the outside goal. Um, I need to go ahead and sign up for that Lake Martin 50 and um, just start getting ready for it. And, you know, the, the whole thing there, it's even, you know, where I said like marathons for a lot of people, you know, marathons aren't really races. It's survival. And you're trying to run um, a certain time. But you really have to be patient and you really have to take your time. You know, I think the people who really race marathons, it's your top, top elite guys um, or ladies. You know, they're they're so good and they're so strong that they actually can think of a marathon as a race. I used to think of it as not a race. It was a, um, a long, fast run. And if I was around somebody towards the end that I was going to try to beat or hold off, it was really only a race at the very, very end. So ultras obviously you know and again i don't know you know well i know some some higher elite ultra guys but i don't know how they look at it but i would look at it as just it's just a really really long run and so really it's more it's got to be more mental than anything so i really haven't gotten into okay what kind of pace can i hold for that distance because i haven't done enough long runs i kind of have an idea in my mind um that i don't want to share right now um because i haven't done enough training to kind of support it and you know i started thinking about well what would i do with the hydration nutrition because it's a you know, I know what it was when I did marathons, but I haven't done anything longer than that. So you know, this is going to be a little bit of an experiment, um, but I'm looking forward to it. And it's again, I think it's something different. I think that's why probably a lot of people get into the, the ultra stuff and the, the trail things is because it's different. Um, you know, it's, and there's nothing wrong with the, the weekend 5Ks, you know, by any means, but it's just different than that. Definitely. Uh, talking about that, uh, uh, since you have not done anything beyond marathon, maybe best advice that I can give you is uh, run some 50Ks. Uh, there's enough from here till the March. So right. Lake Martin course, we'll go pre- preview it. Um, I'm, I'm going to start preview a little bit early this year so I, I can go out there and run a couple of times. Uh, Lake Martin course is a little different, uh, not that difficult, but at the same time it's difficult because the hills keep on coming. So it's it's no no cross country. Uh, but I have seen people going really fast in that course. Uh, so so it's doable. Uh, for I have seen a lot of uh, the road, fast road friends uh, has gone to run the trails and they have been really successful. Just have to get used to running that trail, rugged trails. Uh, that's I think that's what makes a difference because even though you you, you may have run cross country, but the running trail is a totally different beast. So <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And I heard just David Tosh talking about it. And he says it's um it's always rolling, so there's not a lot of flat ground. Um, it's not as technical as being out at Oak Mountain, which probably suits me. I can pick my way through rocks and things like that. But um, I've, I've always you know been more of a rhythm type runner, so getting into a rhythm. Um, 
typically helps me. Um, for me, it's just finding that pace that uh, my heart rate stays low and uh, I can uh, maintain for a very long time. Um, and I'll do I'll I'll do some some very long training runs. I don't know how, I don't know if I have a chance to sign up for a 50k. I, I may find one between now and then, but I will be doing some longer runs or multiple long runs in succession just to get my body used to it and figure out what kind of pace I can hold. Definitely. Uh, let's move away from this subject a little bit. Uh, let's talk about uh, you're involved uh, locally for many, doing many, many things here in Birmingham, Birmingham area. Uh, you also run the store. Let's talk about how did you get involved uh, being part of the store and uh, and being part of the running community here in Birmingham, beyond running. Well, you know, I grew up in this area, so, um, you know, running local, local road races, you know, some of the, some of the, well, I call them old timers now, you know, um, you know, I, I guess I'm not too far away from getting up into that category, but, uh, um, you know, I got to know a lot of the kind of the original Birmingham track club folks and people who were, uh, integral with the Vulcan run and stuff like that over the years. And, uh, you know, running at Auburn and then coming back to Birmingham, um, I went to grad school at UAB and I was started, um, I was a grad assistant coach with the cross country and track teams there and then moved into a, the cross country coach job. And then I was the head coach the last two years for men's and women's track and cross country. And during that time, Valerie Mc, uh, well, Valerie Cuddy, formerly Valerie McLean, uh, opened the running shop and she got Jeff Martinez to help out because she knew that he had worked a little bit in, um, you know, with working with running shoes. And, uh, well, I got to know her about just coming over to the Wednesday run, you know? So if I was available, like if I wasn't you know, the team didn't have a workout or whatever, or during the summer or the breaks and stuff like that from coaching. Um, I would just come over and meet everybody, you know, meet everybody at the store, just like every, you know, just like we do still today and just go for the Wednesday run. And, and I was still training, competing, of course, and just got to know Val and, you know, kind of reconnect too with some of the local runners that I'd known from years past and obviously new people. And, uh, you know, Valerie had offered me a job a couple times, but I was dead set on being a college track and cross country coach. And so I, I wasn't ready to do that. And then um, had kind of a, a little bit of a disagreement or falling out at UAB with, uh, you know, with the, the vision of what track and cross country was going to be at UAB. I thought that we uh, we worked really hard to try to be good and competitive there. And, and we really didn't uh, get the resources that we were hoping to get. And we didn't really need a lot. We just needed some resources. And so I finally uh, resigned my position and called Val and said, hey, you still have a job for me? And she said, sure. So I started, uh, I took a couple months off and uh, did some more racing and training. And then I uh, started in uh, August 1st of 97. So I just passed 20 years full-time uh, at the store. Used to be in the little house and um, small little business. And it's still a small business, but we, um, you know, we're much, much busier than we used to be. And so it's been a very interesting journey, you know, f- just from the business side of things, being something that has really, being part of something that has grown and being more, you know, a big part of what the running community, just part of it. I mean, obviously the Track Shack is not, you know, entirely everything running in Birmingham, but it's, uh, we feel like we've uh, tried to do the right things and connect with runners and always are involved and as much as we can be. And, you know, so from then it's been, uh, uh, it's been it's been a good journey you know we have a couple shops and you know just I, I don't think I'm at this point I'd say I'm not qualified to do anything else so I may as well stay here <laughs> definitely uh, you have done a great job uh, there and Val and Jeff and all of you uh, always a great support here in the local community we always appreciate TrackSack for, for being part of this whole running journey uh, talking about that uh, uh, TrackSack and uh, you getting you, you get a contact with the runners uh, pretty often uh, tell us about some of the common things 
themes that you hear from runners, what they're looking at uh, coming to your store or the or, or out when you when you're supporting the races. Well, what are the common things that that runners talks about talk talking about? Well, first thing, just cut you know customer wise, and we have a huge. I mean, we have customers from every walk of life. We have customers who are serious runners. We have customers who will never run. Um, and that's it's so funny. People always come in. We hear it every day. And as soon as they come in, yeah, I need I need some good shoes. Now I'm not a runner. You know, we always hear that. Like the first thing they <laughs> want to make sure that we know that they're not a runner. And we're like, hey, that's fine. We, you know, if you walk, if you work out, if you need good shoes to be on your feet at work, you know, whatever it is, that's that's who we serve, and we serve the runner. So, um, you know, that's changed. I think a lot of over the years. You know, when we were younger, and all of us could run faster, even Jeff. Um, you know. I'm right here, Simon. I can hear him talking. <laughs> um, you know, we all we all were more competitive. We were younger guys, and um, I think it was more. I think people would be intimidated to come to the store. Well, oh, those guys—that only fast people can go there. And we're like, no, no, we're not. That's not the case. We want everybody to be comfortable here, um, because our the way we looked at it was like, yeah, we we may be more competitive runners and everything like that. But if you are coming for fitting advice and and just advice about training and stuff like that i i think you want to talk to people that have those kind of experiences um you know obviously as we've grown i think people are more and more comfortable coming here they know they don't have to be fast to come here you know um but you know we they never did have to be fast to come here um so no we just we just serve the runner we serve the walker uh anybody who needs good shoes um obviously you see lots of we have lots of other things that runners need you know in terms of helping stay healthy in terms of support and compression and nutrition and all that stuff like that and you know we just get involved with everything i i think jeff told me we we timed and that's just us and there's a you know a few other people that time races around town i think we timed 54 races in 2016 and I'm sure that number has gone up significantly. Definitely. Um, and that's just us time in races, not to mention the other races we try to support in some fame, uh, form or fashion. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw Jeff last weekend at the at the Just a Call Away, uh, and you, you guys have a new uh, tip timing stuff, uh, a little bit uh, new with upgraded system looks like. Uh, yep. uh, talk about that also. You also have a trail shoes and trail running stuff now, correct? You, you carry those we two do. now? Definitely. We do. Our, our tra- the trail business has grown as more and more people are, you know, finding the trails. As more trails are being developed, you know, the demand for trail shoes increased. And that we always carried some, but we really didn't have a whole lot of people looking for them because you really, you know, years ago you basically had kind of one place to go, and that was Oak Mountain, which is great, except that it wasn't convenient for a lot of people to get to, um, and there were not, especially around Birmingham area, there weren't like. There wasn't the Southeastern Trail Series. There wasn't butts. You know, there wasn't uh, all these trail organizations that were putting on events and hosting runs and things like that. So, um, you know, so trail trail has become much more important. Um, so we have a, a, a much better selection than we've ever had. And, and so that's good. A lot of people need trail shoes. They need road shoes. Um, you know, it does make a, a difference to have that trail shoe when you're, especially as rocky as the, the terrain is here in Alabama. So um, that, that segment of our business has only gotten more important. Definitely. Uh, so, guys, uh, all the listeners, make sure that you check out TrackSack if you haven't done that. Uh, and uh, and we, it looks like we have uh, all shoes now, trail, road, uh, anything in between. So, so that that uh, that's great, uh, Scott. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Um, I have a I have a series of questions. Uh, we can you can make it short, long, however you want to do it. I call a sprint round. Uh, you ready okay. for that? I I'll try. The first question for you is what type of uh, shoes do you wear? Uh, well, 
obviously being in a running store, um, I have access to lots of shoes. And so I've worn everything. I've literally worn every brand. I'm a neutral foot. So most everything I've worn is neutral. Um, I typically don't wear too much in the higher stability categories. Um, I probably do wear a few more Nikes than other brands. I like a, a light, responsive cushion shoe. Um, but like I said, I've got a pair of Brooks right now. I've got a pair of Hoka trail shoes. I've got a Nike trail shoe. I've got a Nike road shoe. Um, so I like the variety. Um, I like having access to that. And um, But for me, as long as I'm in a neutral, cushioned, lightweight shoe, I can probably wear it. And, um, you know, I've worn hundreds of pairs of shoes. So um, there you go. Definitely. Yeah, I, I like to rotate around different shoes. I'm not a one-brand person. So what type of GPS device do you use? Oh, well, I've or- got a Garmin. I basically take whatever Jeff tests out and uh, he, then he, he ends up getting <laughs> it to me. Honestly, I this is the first time I've used a GPS consistently and probably in the last month or two. I was always old school. Yeah, that's what I was Timex, thinking. Timex Ironman watch. I just yeah. need to time my runs. I had, I knew, I either knew how long the route was or basically my, based off my pace, which I had a good sense of pace. I could just figure out how far I ran or how far I was going to run. Nowadays, I don't, I didn't, then I didn't want a Timex because I, or I, I, well, Timex, I didn't want like a Garmin or something like that because I didn't want to know how slow I was going. So, <laughs> uh, but now I've got it and I'll use it and, uh, you know, kind of keep track of my mileage and calories burned and all that stuff. Definitely. Uh, the track for the track people, especially that's, a, that was a bad question for you because track people you only have 400 what do you call 400 meters yeah. well yeah you, you you know the 100 marks the 200 marks on the track the 400 so all you need is your splits and then you you figure it out from there yeah definitely one day i left my gps at home and i was going to track i said hmm, i'll just do the old school like what you what you just described right uh what inspires you to do things what you do day in and day out uh you talk about your motivation having lack of motivation now uh tell us about uh, what inspires you um i for me it's about being more fit um and being able to go out and do um something that i've for you know decades now has given me so much and I've loved to do. Um, you know, I probably could use a break after, you know, 20 years of competing and stuff like that. And so it, it, it was good in one regard to get away from it. Um, but now I like to feel like I'm in better shape and I like to have, I always like that feeling that, okay, I've got control of my body and what I can ask it to do things and, um, and be able to accomplish that. So it's really kind of getting back that motivation, getting back where, Hey, if I want to go do the nine mile trail race, I can actually do it, you know? So, um, you know, the fitness aspect and being able to go and do activities that, um, that are fun, that are, keeps you involved and connected. And, uh, that's really my motivation now. Definitely. Uh, follow up on that one. Uh, what is your struggles? Um, is, is there a struggle that you have as a, as a runner throughout this time? Uh, you've been running, uh, what is, what is one thing that always think that you wish you didn't have to go through that? Well, you know, certainly over the years, I've had every kind of running injury you can have some multiple times. I've had injuries and illnesses that gave you setbacks, um, but you can take it the good with the bad. I'd say really right now, my biggest struggle, honestly, is getting my butt out of bed um, <laughs> and getting up early and going run, especially in the summer when it's so hot. I've always, I've never been an early riser. 
Um, I've always kind of been a night owl. So, you know, I frequently would, would run after work and I'd feel better. But um, sometimes I wish you, I would just get out of bed, go get my run done, and then you have the whole day to not worry about it. Definitely. <laughs> or you, as you, as you're trying to be ultra distance runner, you, you had to do like what we do. We run any time of the day, especially middle of the day is the most, the most important for us. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because you're out there for hours and hours and hours. You have to be able to run early and late and when it's hot or when it's cold, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be interesting. That'll be interesting for see you see you running trail. So I'll see you more often, hopefully. Because that's it looks like I'm more on trail on, than the road this day. So so uh, talk about that. Uh, uh, somebody mentioned that you're you're you have a master of the downhill. Are you a downhill racer or uphill climber? Um, well, I used to be pretty good at both. Um, I would say now you, you've got to be fit to really, really run uphill as well. Um, that's the great equalizer. You know, if like for me now, not being super fit, the hills are a lot going up is a lot more challenging than going down. Um, you know, I'm probably, I don't know, you know, 15 pounds or more heavier than the old racing weight days. And so when you add on 15 pounds and, um, and you're not quite as fit, then, you know, the uphills will take a toll. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, going downhill hurts. So, you know, as you get older, you know, it beats you up. So <laughs> I like a nice flat run. Right <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I do both. Uh, uphill is so slow. Downhill is slower for me. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to tumble. I'm training and no. I don't tumble around on the, while I'm training. But uh, but racing, I think I, I can I can do almost equally whatever the speed I can put in. So so I like both. From from being Nepal, I definitely like uphill climbing. Yeah, well, you don't have much choice there. Huh? <laughs> no. Uh, what type of nutrition plan do you follow? Do you follow anything, or you're? I don't follow. I don't follow anything, honestly. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think from you know 20 years of always having a water bottle around and just guzzling water, um, I, I must have developed an aversion to drinking water. So um, that's my that's another one of my challenges is making sure I stay hydrated because nowadays it's oh well I have my coffee in the morning and I'll get a, a tea at lunch and you know I might have a glass of water and I may. May have a beer, a dinner, or something, and uh, so you know, there's not enough fluids being taken in. Um, that's that's my biggest challenge. Um, and I used to eat fairly healthy. Um, I was never, I was never one of those people that said I can never have fast food or desserts or something like that because I think if you if you train hard enough, your your body needs the calories and it'll burn it up um, as long as you don't overdo it in you know too much candy or too much sweets or too much salty foods and stuff like that. I mean, it was more it was more moderation. I think um, nowadays, yeah, kind of I kind of just eat whatever I'm hungry for. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, this summer I cut a lot of my uh, diet, so I'm trying to be trying to lose some weight, uh, gain gain a lot of pounds. But I'm trying to be more portion sizing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I turn vegeta- vegetarian for running, but I don't eat meat. I still don't eat meat, but, but I was eating too much stuff. But, but I eat, I eat almost everything that I was eating before. But yeah. I have portion size and lost quite, quite a bit, like four or five pounds. That's a lot for me. Yeah, so. you know, I've noticed as I've gotten older that I don't want to eat as big of a meal, you know. And part of that's probably your, your, your. Um, system doesn't tolerate it as well you're not your your metabolism slows so um you know i think part of that is you know i just don't like to have that really really full feeling anymore 
Um, whereas when I was younger, I'd get really just stuffed. But then an hour later, you're hungry. <laughs> Definitely. I still get hungry a lot. But but um, but talk about that. Um, so you talk about the hydration, hydration plan. Uh, you don't use a hydration plan. I remember somebody told me that at the heart of hell, you didn't carry any water bottle because you're thinking that it was just a nine-mile race. Or you told me. I don't remember. Is, is that is that correct? Because in the trail, we tell people do not go to trail without any without a water bottle. That's required, you know. Well, I actually read the I read actually read the instructions and they said that the water bottle was required. So I actually did make myself a, a water bottle with a, a diluted electrolyte drink in it. Um, which I, it was you know I don't like carrying things in my hand, so that was one of the things that you know I just tolerated it. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and so I did drink the, the majority of that during that run. And I just don't like carrying things in my hand, so I'm going to have to figure out. I'll probably have to wear a pack or a belt or something like that just because I, I like to be hands-free. But it wasn't, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. Now, honestly, when I was, uh, when I was really fit and younger, for nine miles, I, would, I wouldn't have carried anything. <laughs> um, I might have grabbed a little sip of water at the aid station, but uh, that would have been it. Definitely. I used to be a water bottle carrying guy. I used to have one or two water bottles con- continuously. Recently, I bought a Solomon Vest. Uh, it's a hydration vest, and it's it's working well for me. I've been able to carry water, food, you know, when I go out on trail. So, so it's it's, it's in, in, we, we I may need to show you what I have. So maybe maybe that'll that'll that's something you want to look into. It. We sell that kind of stuff. I just have to make the decision to try some things on and see what I prefer. And it'll it'll be something that I probably wear though. I don't think I'll carry anything, but. I that, that may change. I mean, Def- you know. Definitely. But yes. uh, belt, I have tried belt. It just doesn't work. And the, and the speed that you run probably will not work for you as well. Uh, moving forward, uh, uh, is there a race that you haven't run that you'll have to run one day? Oh, well, I guess not yet. No, you know, because, again, I've only, you know, one, you know, run, run, one trail race. So I don't know what else all out is out there. Um, I don't really have the desire you know, not having even done an ultra yet, um, you know, I think about, I used to think about people run 50 miles and going, well, that's kind of crazy. But then 100 miles just seems just absolutely nuts to me. Um, I don't see myself doing that, but you got to take it a step at a time. You know, I wasn't going to run a marathon until I got older and did some longer road races, you know. So um, so I don't really have a place that I would want to go, like that's in my mind that I'd want to go yet, um, you know, as I, you know, get into it a little bit more and i'm sure there'll be something that that uh, strikes me as being something i'd like to do definitely scott we talked so much about running your running journey many many things we talked about in this podcast including the support we uh, we get from track as in this running community and a lot more than uh, that than we can actually talk about this podcast this is about our first podcast uh, interview with you hopefully we can arrange sometime to talk about more focus on trainings and other things other aspect of running as we as we go forward uh, before we close this interview, I'd like you to give a word of advice to all the runners, beginner runners, uh, uh, veteran runners, all runners out there uh, to keep lugging those miles, training hard and achieving those goals and dreams that, that you have and keep mo- motivating. I know that you, you said you don't have motivation at this time, but I know over the years that I have seen you running. So give us that word of advice uh, to all the runners out there. Well, I, you know, obviously as my journey has changed, I think it's uh, my thing was always to find out find out what I was capable of doing. That was my previous running, you know, experience in life. Um, find out how fast I could run, you know, be, com- you know, be competitive. Um, now it's, um, it's doing it for health. Um, it's doing it for fitness. And so, you know, I think that's the, to, to me, the baseline of why people should run is just to, 
to feel better about themselves. And you know how it is, Suman. You go out, you don't want to run every day. You don't feel good every day. But uh, you're always glad that you got it done um, because of the benefits of it. So I'm back at that baseline, the very base reason of why I run um, or want to run more is uh, that I just like to feel better. Um, and it's good stress relief. It's good for your health. And it's a very social, uh, as lonely as it can be, it's a very social event as well. And uh, so that's really, you know, what, what I would tell people to look at and, and uh, what hopefully can get them motivated to continue to do stuff. Um, you know, sign up for something that's different or, uh, you know, sign up with some friends for an event so that you you keep that motivation going. Great. Uh, sounds like great word of advice. Uh, Scott, if somebody wants to find you, how can they find you? You're at the store. Uh, you're at the community. How, how, how can they find you? Get some advice. Well, yeah, I'm usually at the store, oftentimes in the Homewood store. Um, once or twice a week, I'll be out the, the 280 Inverness store. And, um, you know, I'm pretty easy to find. Um, you know, I'm usually here, you know, or around here, you know. So um, sometimes here at the Wednesday runs, I've tried to make a couple of those Saturday morning, you know, long runs, um, try to be at more races and things like that. So really just coming, coming through the store, calling the store. Um, you know, you can shoot me an email. Um, it's pretty simple. It's scott at trackshack.com, T-R-A-K-S-H-A-K. So you can shoot me an email. Um, and otherwise, just pop in or give us give me a call. Great, great, Scott. Uh, thanks thanks for your time and, uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing you out there running the trail more in the coming days. Oh, thanks, Uma. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. If you have a need to cover your events from marketing to taking photos, please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.